0: Hey, thanks so much for joining the Solid Rock Church Podcast. We pray this message encourages you, inspires you, and gives you a reason to cultivate your relationship with God. Enjoy the message. Good evening and welcome to the Solid Rock. Uh, We are in John chapter 11 tonight, and if you want to follow along with us, the words will be on the screen. Uh, Let us begin with prayer. Oh, sweet Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your love and grace and mercy. You are an amazing God, and we do love you ever so much. Father, though I do want to concentrate on the lesson that you have uh, given to me about the scriptures, I cannot overlook the fact that there are many that are grieving at this moment. So, Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, lifting up those that have their eyes fixed on things in this world that uh, so many are encumbered with. Lord God, we lift up their care before you because we know that you said, cast all of your cares upon you because you care for us. So, Father, we're lifting up those cares of those that are currently suffering because we know you care. And sweet Heavenly Father, as we look into your word, we ask you to build our faith Lord God, show us more of your glory. Forgive us, Father, for the things that we have uh, allowed our minds to get caught up in that have distracted us from the beauty of your glory and draw us back, Lord, close to you. And reveal to us, Father, as you often said, Lord Jesus, when you were here, blessed are those that have ears to hear. Let them hear what the Spirit says. You said, let those that have ears to hear. Let them hear what the Spirit says. Father, we have ears to hear. Make them even more eager to hear your heart. To see your divine nature. Reveal your glory to us that we might be changed more into the image of your Son. That we might walk more close to you. Because you, Lord God, are our reason for living, our reason for continuing. You are our hope. You are our strength. You are our comfort. You are our guide. You are our all in all. So, Lord, build us up on that holy faith as we walk with you. That we might walk by faith and not by sight. That the things that affect us, Lord God, would be you first before the things of this world have an effect on us. And that your effect will trump the effect of the natural things of this life. In Jesus' name, we love you, God. Amen. From the way the... uh, uh, the, the most reputable scholars take this to be. It's been a couple of months. Most likely since uh, that winter feast. That we had uh, talked about in John chapter 10. Uh, one of the things you're going to notice about John. They, they call his gospel the non-synoptic gospel. Because he doesn't seem to cover the same information. That the other gospel writers cover. Uh, the other gospel writers cover mostly what he did in galilee john uh, who who wrote a later gospel most likely had access to what they had written and noticed that they did not write much about what he did in jerusalem and judea so this gospel writer covers most of his ministry that that uh, covered the time that jesus was in jerusalem um, that's why when Nicodemus came to him in John chapter 3, John was the one who covered that. The other gospel writers didn't cover that area. And here we have Lazarus. Um, uh, most everybody that, that has read the Bible or has been exposed to the gospel knows about Lazarus because uh, from what I understand, he holds the world's record of being the person who has been dead the longest. Four days and then uh, being brought back to life. Jesus, who is dead only three days, uh, would hold the second record to being dead the longest. And then coming back to life. Uh, We start in John chapter 11, verse 1. Now certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that same Mary that had anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. I want you to catch a couple of things here in this verse where it says, Uh, His sister said unto him, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. We remember the scripture that said uh, that it it talks about God's love and, and relationship for mankind. It says not that we loved him first, but that he first loved us. He commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners or enemies. Christ died for us. Uh, So here we have them saying, Lord, not the one who loved you and did so much for you. That's not what they're saying of him. His sisters sent unto him saying, Lord, the one that you love is sick. Uh, This this is the way that we should see ourselves. This is the way that John definitely saw himself, because we see that whenever John refers to himself, he says the one that the Lord loved. Amen. He understood how important it was to be identified uh, by the fact that God loved me. What makes me anything is the fact that God loves me. Amen. So his sister sent this message to Jesus saying, Lord. I want you to know that's behold. Take notice of. The one that you love. He's sick. Understand that each time that many of the times that Jesus worked miracles on people, it says, and he was moved with compassion for them or or his heart went out to them for them, for the situation that they were in. Uh, I, I remember another scripture that says, cast all of your cares upon the Lord. For he careth for you. So why does Jesus do the things that he does? Because he loves us. So if Jesus is going to be moved to do anything for Lazarus, his sisters wanted to appeal unto him the fact, Jesus, remember, you love him. And we know that you love him. So we have no doubt that you will act on his behalf. So all they had to do. They didn't say Lord Jesus please come. Lord Jesus please do this. Because you can tell by the faith. That, that you see in both Mary and Martha. And, and the way that the people that have walked with him. And seen the things that he had done. As, as Mary, Martha and Lazarus had done. So often went with him. Uh, on his to to see his ministry that was done, especially there in Capernaum, uh, that uh, distance is not a thing that hinders Christ. They knew that uh, he could say the word there, so they didn't say come. All they did was say, the one that you love, he's sick. We don't know how you're going to handle it. We just trust you to handle it. Verse 4 says, Now when Jesus heard that he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now a lot of people take this and and and, and they think, Well, the sickness is not unto death, but he died. Look at how Jesus, and and even the Old Testament, talks about death. You can even see Job talking about taking a sleep that he won't come back from. The death that Jesus was referring to here is the permanent one that you don't come back from. He's saying this is not to a final end. This sickness is not to a final end in this time for him. This is not the time that he's going to cross over. And stay in the paradise uh, of Abraham. Or in the bosom of Abraham if you will. But he is not done on this planet. His time here in the flesh is not done. But this sickness is not to move him to his final home forever, but this sickness is for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Remember the Scripture that says Jesus made all things. All things are by him and for him. So everything that's ever been created was created to bring him glory. Just like you might say an artist who produces the things that he produces. Whether it's it's paintings, whether it's sculptures or whatever it is. These things are to bring the artist glory. In the same way, everything that God created is created to bring glory to the Son of God. Now, hear what Jesus said with that in your mind. This sickness is... It's not unto death, but it's for the glory of God. We're going to address what Jesus says a little bit more about that in just a moment. This is so that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, we might would say, you know, if he went and healed him, that would have brought glory to Jesus, would it not? If Jesus would have spoke the word right then. And, and, and uh, like it had happened that time whenever he said, you can go home, your servant's healed. And the guy took note of what time it was. And when he got home, he asked him, when did he start getting better? And he made note that it was the same time Jesus said that. He could have done that there too. But it had been done, had it not? this sickness is not unto death, but it's for the glory of God so that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And what we find inside of our lives, sometimes God waits, often to our chagrin, if you will, Often to our uncomfort. Sometimes we've got to be made uncomfortable by walking by sight so that we will be moved to walk by faith. Sometimes it takes the things that we see and hear around us to become so desperate and so despicable that it looks like in the natural that there is no room for hope. So that Jesus can show us in our own way and build up our faith that, hey, even when it goes beyond what you were ever able to believe past in the past, up till this point you haven't seen anything that says that I can and will work after this point, I still do that too. I am Lord of that too. Verse 5. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. I want you to realize he didn't love Martha, Mary, or Lazarus any more than he loves us. I want you to understand that there is a greater love inside of the father for those that say I do to him than for those that do not. But He has the same hope for them than what He has for us because He wants to enter into that relationship with all of His creation. Because He created everyone to have a relationship with Him. But you realize by Him saying this what He is intimating is that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were Christians. Understand that that He calls those of us that are christians converted he calls us friends and he reveals to us things that he hides from those that are rebelliously against him and that's why he spoke to them in parables and would not explain it to all of them but but the ones that loved him and followed him intimately whether they understood or not and most of them did not understand those parables he would take them aside and show them more and in the same way, those of us that are his children today, uh, if we love him and we continue to seek him, and though he does not show everyone the deep things of who he is and show us how he's faithful at all times, sometimes he takes us uh, to the side. And normally, what's very interesting to me, it's normally that he brings us to side to show us further after we have said, you know what, we'll understand it better by and by. We trust you, and that's enough. And then he says, okay, like he did to Moses. Come here, I'm going to show you my glory. I'm going to show you a little bit more. Because you see, um, I call you friends because the servant doesn't get to know what his master's business is. But I'm going to tell you my business. I'm going to bring you aside and show you what I'm doing. Did he have to? He didn't have to. How much did he love John, and how much did John Uh, mean to christ well we find that later whenever he writes the book of revelation because though yes he gave john the revelation no other man has been given so much insight about what is to come to pass we could probably compare him to daniel uh uh, and Ezekiel, who were given some of the same types of revelation, but never, never so far as what was given to John. And then in the book of John, uh, in the book of Revelation, I'm sorry, as John wrote these things, uh, you can see that God showed some things to John just because God wanted to, and He said, "No, no, don't write these things down. You seal them up." Amen. That's the way that our father is to those who really care for him. Uh, It's not so prominent now as it was back years ago, like whenever my grandfather was growing up. There was 12 of them. And the father didn't have time to explain everything to everybody at every point. So very often it was because I said so. And that had to be enough. But understand that those that say, okay, father, That's enough. We will make sure that it is done sometimes as they're working beside the father, like maybe mending fences or whatever it was back in the day. The father would say. You know, son. Because you are so faithful and you believe me and and you stick to what I tell you just because I said so, whether you think it was the best thing or not. I'm going to tell you some things I haven't told your brothers and sisters. I'm going to tell you why I do the things I do, because you work so closely with me and you're there for me. Even when I didn't say that I needed you out here to help me with the fence, I really appreciate the fact that you took the time to come out here. So I'm going to show you more. Catch how that is the heart of our father. Verse 16. So when Jesus, when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. I want you to catch this. When Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was. Many would think, you know, to show his love, the the, the way that we, we show our love and care and affection for someone, as soon as we hear news like that, man, we're on the road running. But because... Therefore, I want you to catch the word therefore there in that statement. When he had therefore heard that he was sick, that means the very reason why he stayed two more days is because he heard that he was sick. He did this for them because he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus and many others that would witness what he was going to do. Why did he do the miracles that he did? Very often he told you that it was so that you may believe. So when he had heard, therefore, that Lazarus was sick, that was the reason he stayed two more days in the place that he was in. Verse seven says, then after that, he said to his disciples, after those two days, let us go into Judea again. I want you to know about two months before is when he was there at that winter festival where they had tried to murder Jesus. His disciples said unto him, Master. The Jews here lately plan to stone you and you're going to go back there? I want you to catch it. The disciples could have been saying several different things. One is, you're really going to go back to talk to the people that abused you in the way that they abused you? Why would you spend so much time going back and talking to people that don't even accept you or appreciate you? Oh, the heart of our Savior. We look, we look at some of the people out in the world that are so desperately wicked and we go, why in the world would God continue to give them breath? Why would He care to keep sending more and more people to them? You've got to realize the heart of our Savior. He doesn't take the offense personal. Though I would have. Most of us would have. As if they had spit in our face, I'm coming to save your life. And you're going to treat me like this? You're lucky I'm not, God. Because I would have given you the thunderbolt. Amen. Amen. Even John was guilty of it. As James and John and some of the disciples were coming out of out of a village of Samaria, because he was minded to go to Jerusalem, they said, "Ha, that pious Jew! Uh, we don't want to have nothing to do with him." So they didn't accept him. And as they were walking out of the town, John said, "Lord, you want us to call fire down from heaven?" He says, "You don't know what spirit you're of. I didn't come to judge." I'm so glad he's not here to judge yet, but it's coming soon. Because the only reason why he hasn't come back yet is because he's long suffering, looking for a few more that are going to hear and repent and turn to him. Then after the he, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea. And his disciples said, Master, the Jews here lately sought to stone you. Are you really going back there again? Some could think that uh, the Jews possibly were saying uh, or expressing their care for their master's life. When you have a good leader, you want them to live. They had the best leader in the world that's ever visited the face of the planet. And I think I know that at least some of them recognized that. There ain't never been anybody like this. We don't want you to die. We really don't want you to go back there. Catch what Jesus says to them at this moment. And, and how he shows that he pretty much ignores the fact that they were worried about, about an attack on him. And maybe him and his disciples. Some even say that, that this could be uh, because they were worried about their own lives. Because if their master died, they would be the next in line to be attacked. But hear what Jesus said. Are there not 12 hours in the day? Well, some of us like, wait a minute, there's 24 hours in a day. They considered it to be a 12-hour day. Did you know it was a 12-hour day to them, whether whether it was in the winter or in the summer? Because they didn't count hours like we do with a second hand and a minute hand. They just divided what daylight they had... Into 12 hours. They considered 12 hours to be the day and 12 hours to be the night, and that's how they come up with their 24 hours. He says, Don't we have 12 hours of daylight? And I want you to see how this compares to the lifespan of a man. Uh, a lifespan of a man can be considered your 12 hours of daytime. When Jesus was speaking, uh, in John chapter 10, he said, there's a day coming when no man works. And I may be wrong about that being in chapter 10. I just remember speaking about this here recently. But it's very close to chapter 10. The night comes when no one can work. And what he was talking about quite clearly, uh, most of the scholars agree, is that he's talking about our night. Our night. That's the time that we say goodbye to this world and we put off the flesh. We won't be doing any more work in this life at that point. (laughs) Amen. Night comes when everybody will cease from their labor. And that's the end of their day in this life. So it's kind of like he's comparing our lives as one day. That's your day. So whenever we think that we have 12 hours in a day, we should catch what Jesus is saying here. You need to be up and about the father's business. You need to be redeeming the time. Amen. Hey, would you mind turning that heat up to 70, please? I forgot to do that. Are there not 12 hours in the day? If any man walks in the day, he stumbles, not because he sees the light of this world. Now, I want you to see here where Jesus is also talking about his own personal day, because his own personal day is the time that he's on the earth that he's referring to here as well. (coughs) You guys can see the light of the world while I'm here. I can't be wasting the time that I have here. I need to be up and about my father's business so that you can see me setting an example for you. Jesus set precedents that we should all follow. We see how earnestly and how, how sincerely Jesus prayed. He did that while it was still day. He did it very often, sometimes in front of other people, and sometimes when he did it in front of other people, he says, Father, I didn't say this for their behalf. I mean, I didn't say this out loud because I needed to because I already knew what you were going to do. But I'm saying this for their behalf because I want them to see how diligently a man who follows you should honor you and seek your face and to to be intimate with this relationship and straightforward with our conversations with you and honest. Are there not 12 hours in the day? You've been given the time that you've been given. If any man walks in the day, he doesn't stumble, but it's because he sees the light of this world. But if a man walks in the night, he stumbles because there is no light in him. You could even say that this is also referring to the time that we were not enlightened by the truth of Jesus Christ being the Messiah, the way the truth and the life, and the only way to come to the Father. The only way that we have any enlightenment at all, the only way we have any life inside of our spiritual man at all, has everything to do with our knowledge of Jesus Christ and our trust in Him as being the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to come to the Father. Whenever we walked before we had knowledge of the light, we stumbled much more often. And if our eyes are not fixed, on the light, it's like we're walking in the dark and we stumble more often. When we walk by faith, we do not spiritually stumble. When we walk by faith, those things that the enemy throws at us that was intended to be a stumbling stone, the Lord turns those things into stepping stones that brings us to the next level or the, or the next closer walk with more trust in our Messiah. verse 11 these things saith he and after that he said unto them our friend Lazarus sleeps but I go that I may awake him out of sleep there's a couple things that I want you to see inside of that statement often in the Old Testament which is all that they had Uh, to look at besides the Messiah being right there with them Uh, but it's all they had of the gospel Was the Old Testament that was their gospel that was their truth their and their good news that God Almighty wanted to have a relationship with mankind. That's good news and it's truth. So it's considered gospel as well. We we consider the gospel to be the New Testament for us because we have been enlightened to something deeper and, and more profound than what the old covenant was. And we see that in Hebrews whenever it's referred to talking about the new covenant being better because it outshined or. Or was so much better than the old covenant. These things he said. And after that he said unto them. My friend Lazarus sleeps. But I go that I may awake him out of sleep. If they would have realized. If they would have been paying attention. They would have realized. That statement of that he sleepeth. That he was talking in in the Old Testament uh, tone that he so often did because Jesus was the, the word that was made flesh and dwelt among men he talked with the same kind of language that the Old Testament did because it was his personality that was he who was made flesh that, that Old Testament is him so he speaks with the same parables he speaks with the same uh, with, with the same tenor or tone if you will that, that the Old Testament spoke in he said our friend Lazarus sleepeth But I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Now here's the second part of that. He says I'm going to wake him up out of his sleep. Uh, For the disciples not to understand that he was saying more than I'm just going to wake up a sleeping person. That is out of his character for him to go to just do something natural. They should have realized that the God that they serve, that they have learned to walk with and and to trust in, that when he does something, he does it big. He doesn't do anything small. If If he's going to wake him up out of sleep, he's going to wake him up out of something that nobody else would be able to wake him out of because my God does exceedingly abundantly above all that I could think or ask of him because he's a God of more than enough he's a god of more than the natural then jesus i'm sorry then then jesus's disciples said well lord if he's sleeping he's going to get well how be it jesus was speaking of his death but they thought that he was just talking of taking a nap or rest and sleep Then Jesus said very plainly unto them, Lazarus is dead. I want you to understand that there are very often people that are baby Christians or people that hadn't been raised uh, with the exposure to the scripture that we have. And whenever they don't get it, whenever we say some of those, uh, hear some of those phrases that immediately trigger our understanding hey that's a spiritual thing uh jesus did not condemn them for not understanding and he loves and cares for them so much he does not want them to be left behind in their understanding so he takes this time to say to them plainly lazarus is dead Now catch what he says in verse 15. And he said, and I'm glad for your sake that I wasn't there. Because just as he had so many times before been moved with compassion for people that were sick. More than likely he would have been moved with compassion for them and would have healed. Lazarus. And they would not have got to see him raise somebody from the dead that had been dead for this amazing time period of four days Jesus said I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you may believe (coughs) (coughs) nevertheless let us go unto him I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there to the intent that you may believe remember When there was a blind man and the disciples asked about the blind man, who was it that sent him or his parents that he was born this way? He said neither. That's not why he's blind. This has happened so that the glory of God would be revealed in the Son of Man. So that you would believe that I am he. See, Jesus Jesus had a, a pretty short ministry which was approximately three years. Here, I've been the pastor of this church for almost 13 years, yet I haven't done what Jesus did in a month. <laughs> Amen. My ministry is not as effective as his ministry was, not, nor any man on this earth has ever been effective. Uh, what what we do down here is a drop in the bucket and, and all that we do, if it's effective, if our ministries are effective at all, those of us that are in, in the world, what we do is That is effective is that we effectively refer back to Jesus's ministry. Amen. And and John made it quite clear. I'm talking about John the Baptist, not the one who wrote this. John the Baptist made it very clear. uh, Whenever they told him, they said, look, everybody's going after after this Jesus guy. He says he says, don't worry about that. I must become less and he must become more. He must he must outshine me. He says, because you don't understand. He is the light of the world. (laughs) Amen. He's the the groom. He's the bridegroom. And and here I am. I'm just a friend of the bridegroom who is excited that, that many are coming to him And so here I am, and that's how we should be as well. Uh, We're friends of the bridegroom. and, And that's why it excites us when we see somebody come and give their heart to Jesus. Whenever we hear about people beginning to place faith in Jesus, we get excited because we are friends of the bridegroom. But he must become more and I must become less. Just a little word from myself that that's. That's why I don't like to call this my ministry. That's why I don't like to put my name out on a sign. That's why I don't like to, uh, to do these things. I'm not condemning anybody else for the way that they do things. Maybe something has to be uh, uh, known as to who it is that they're going to be seen. One thing that I always admired about uh, an assembly of God, minister, and singer uh, was, was Carmen. but no, Almost no one knows his last name. Isn't that interesting? You have to look it up to find out who, who he was. Amen. Because though, though he wanted people to recognize and be able to identify the ministry, he didn't want fame for it. So I've never heard Carmen mention his last name. Isn't that interesting? And again, I'm not condemning anybody else in ministry elsewhere where you felt led of the Lord to do that. That's not the issue. I'm just telling you why I don't. Because it ain't about me. It's about Jesus. And that's why most of the time whenever you see these, you don't hardly see my face at all. What you see is the Scripture because the Scripture is the Word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. The most important thing for you to see is definitely not me, but I want you to see Him. And that's the whole reason why we we do these studies. It's the whole reason why we preach Jesus. It's the whole reason why we read the Bible is that we might see Jesus. He said, I'm glad for your sake that I wasn't there because I want you to believe. This is my intent. You see the word intent in there. To the intent that you may believe. Nevertheless. Nevertheless let's go unto him now, there was something I saw in here that uh that that may even redeem Thomas, uh, which is also called didymus that uh, that may redeem him because when we first look at him we we think, boy, it looks like he's given up all hope uh he he's probably the one that was talking about. Uh, earlier, saying, uh, why, why, why would you even go there? Don't you remember here lately they were trying to kill you? Thomas said, which is also called Didymus, one is his Hebrew name, the other one is his Greek name, and he said to his fellow disciples, okay, guys, let's go and die with Jesus, or let's go and die with Lazarus, either one. Th- there are some that intimate that uh, that the disciples were so close to Lazarus Because they had spent so much time with Jesus at Lazarus, Mary, and Martha's house that uh, they had lost so many friends they were ready to go and die. And as we continue as Christians in this life and we see more of the people that we loved and walked with in this life, leaving this life and going to the next, we do have less things tying us to this world. Those, those bonds of love that we held on to are now also pulling us upwards because not only is our Jesus up there waiting for us, but the other people that love Jesus like we do, that we walked with for so long, whenever we have more of them up there than we do down here, we're pulled more heaven-bound than we are earth-bound. So there's several things that Thomas could have been referring to here. Another thing is he could have been Saying, uh, uh, this could have been a grief thing. He could have been grief stricken for his friend. And it could be that he was looking at what Jesus said. Lazarus is dead. Let's go to him. Well, how do you go to a dead man? Think about that. He wasn't saying, let's go and visit Mary. He wasn't saying, let's go and visit Martha. Let's, he didn't say, let's go comfort Mary and Martha. He said, let's go to Lazarus. Well, Thomas could have understood that as saying, well, Lazarus is dead. I got that down. And the master's saying, let's go to Lazarus. Somebody who's dead, and, and what, well, you go to his body, but you can't really go to him unless you die. Maybe the master's saying that we're going, and we're, he's going, and he's going to die and go to Lazarus. So let's all go with him, because if my master leaves, I really don't want to stay here. So there could be a lot of good things uh, that John eleven sixteen is referring to. I wanted you to see those things. So Thomas said, which is also called Didymus. And by the way, his name means twin. I often wondered who his twin might be. If if he was named that because he was a twin. He said to his fellow disciples, let us also go so we can die with him. Whether he was saying with Lazarus. Who had already died before him. So with him doesn't sound like he's saying that. Maybe he was saying Jesus is going to where Lazarus is. Which is in to Abraham's bosom. Let us go and die with him. So we can arrive there at the same time. Because if the master's going and Lazarus is already there. We just might as well all go. You notice something interesting. Jesus doesn't rebuke him. So evidently Jesus didn't think that what Thomas had said, he didn't consider what Thomas had said here to be rebuke worthy. Because we already know whenever somebody said something that was worthy of rebuke, Jesus didn't hesitate. (laughs) Amen. We see that whenever Peter told him, oh, no, no, you are not going to go and die. He rebuked him. He said, you're not savoring the things of this. He didn't say that to Thomas here. Then when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had laid in the grave four days already. This there was no precedent for. Many, if any, let let me put it this way. There are very few, if any, believed that after four days that they should hope to see somebody come out of the grave. So when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had lain in the grave for four days already. Now Bethany was nine to Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. Now I want to cover something. I apologize, the computer glitched on me. He found that he had laid in the grave for four days. Now, Bethany was nearing to Jerusalem about 15 furlongs off, and, uh, which, which from what I understand is a couple of miles. Now, there are some things that most scholars believe happened and is pr- talked about in Matthew, Mark, and in, in the other three Gospels mentioned. Uh, one of them... On this trip about this time. Is whenever Jesus meets Zacchaeus. And it's also during the time that the man of Judah that was blind received his sight. During this trip from finding out that Lazarus was dead. To going to where Mary and Martha was. Now. Now. I want you to understand why it's important. Whenever you go on a mission that you know is of utmost importance, very often you miss all opportunity between here and there because you don't recognize it. Jesus was not like that. And He's calling us not to be like that. Yes, you may be going on an important mission that He sent you on. Did Jesus go on this mission because He wanted to go on this mission? I'm sorry to disappoint anybody that thought that Jesus wanted to do the will of his father and his father prompted him to go. His father was the one that prompted him to wait for two days. And there are many that believe along with me that the moment that Jesus told his disciples, behold, Lazarus sleeps and I'm going to wake him up is the very moment that Lazarus breathed his last breath. And that the four days was the time that it took for him to do the other things that God had placed on his list or task of things. His task list of things to be done between now and then. And I want you to see how strange it would feel. To us knowing, hey, God has sent me to raise Lazarus from the dead. And now here we are, we're walking along. And, and this this short guy, tax collector, this publican, this miserable sinner that everybody hates is now walking along here, climbs up in a tree. And, and while on the way to go and raise Lazarus from the dead, he stops and says, Zacchaeus, come down from there because today I'm going to eat at your house. We would have thought, wait a minute, Mary and Martha are distraught right now. Don't you know that they need you? Why would you stop along the way to eat with this publican? Or to stop and to heal the blind men of Judea? Very often, we have to be reminded that though the mission that God has given us that we're going to do may be very grand in our eyes, the mission to reach the lost is ever so grand in God's eyes and He doesn't want us to get so wrapped up in what we consider to be our ministry that we miss an opportunity to help somebody along the way Jesus wasn't too busy because he knew what he was going to do and he knew when he was going to do it because his father had called him that way but he was still ever so sensitive to the Holy Spirit along the way that he was ready to tell Zacchaeus come down we're going to go eat at your house Because salvation came to Zacchaeus' house because of it. All of these things, including the death of Lazarus, is so the Son of Man might be glorified. And that some would have their faith increased, as we saw Jesus say earlier. But we don't see that story here in the book of John. All we see is what happened whenever he finished the trip to get there. Many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. I want you to catch the heart that the Lord has instilled and stirs inside of the children of God. That whenever someone is going through something. That you should go through it with them. It's called bearing one another's burdens. Many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary. They were doing a good thing. To comfort them concerning their brother. And mourned along with them. Very often. Uh, or, or sometimes. We, we realize that. Uh, the words that people say to us. Uh, at the passing of someone that we love doesn't change much. It doesn't fix things. It doesn't take away the hurt from the absence of the loved one. Those of us that are members of the Solid Rock and knew Eugene, it was good to know that that, that, that he's with Jesus and that all of his sufferings are done and he's passed all of his tests and, and, and that's good. But it didn't take away the hurt from his absence because we miss him. My assistant pastor, a, a, and some of you didn't know, he was one of my confidants. He and I got together and we talked about things and prayed about things right up here around these altars. In private, nobody else knew about it. I miss him. And the words, you're going to go and see him by and by. I know that, but I still miss him now. So here we have many people with good intentions coming to comfort Mary and Martha about their brother. And yes, it's good to see that the people care. It's good to see that many people held their brother in high esteem. But it doesn't take away the hurt. It doesn't take away the fact that they miss him so terribly. In verse 20 it says, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him. But Mary sat still in the house. And there's some supposition uh, among scholars among this that perhaps the reason why Martha ran is because she was a doer. She was always busying herself. You even hear him say one time to her, Martha, Martha, you're busy about so many things. He says, but Mary here, she's she's desired the greater thing and it's not going to be held back from her. So he let her know that I called you to be a if you'll take this a human being, not a human doing. All of this stuff that you're busying about yourself is good that you're not being lazy. But the greater thing is that you want to hear from the master sitting at the master's feet. And this thing that is more important. I'm not going to take from Mary. And in other words, he he was he was trying to leave it open for her. And If you want it, you can have it, too, because all of this stuff waiting on people, though, it's a good thing. This greater thing, you can have it too. You can come sit in my feet and listen to me tell these parables that that will reveal to you the kingdom. But there's good things about somebody ready to act every moment. I would say I'm probably a lot like Martha in some ways and like Mary as well. Because I'm always ready to act. If I hear that there's something going on, if God wants me to do something, man, I want to run over there and do it right away. So Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. Mary, however, sat still in the house. Mary, one that was moved more by, uh, I guess you would say, her emotions, the things that she was wrapped up in. She, she uh, could have felt that, I do good to mourn. This is a time for mourning, and, and, uh, and Jesus wasn't here when I needed him. And right now is the time for me to mourn. And I know Jesus can help me, and when whenever it comes time, there'll be time for me to sit at his feet again. But right now is time for me to mourn my brother. Martha's like, I want to hear something from the master. Something needs to be done. And I'm getting up to do it. Some think that Mary might not have even Mary might have been grieving so so heavily that she didn't even hear the news that Martha had received. As soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, Martha went to him. But Mary stayed still there in the house. And Jesus doesn't rebuke either one of them for the way they responded. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. He wouldn't have died. She's showing a couple of things. She's showing both faith and fear. Our faith and our fear often battle inside of us. And then we have a choice. We're either going to walk by one or the other. One of them is going to lead us to trust in Jesus completely in every situation. Or are we going to stray from our trust that he is going to fix the problem? Not that, it, not that I'm saying that we know that Jesus is going to fix the problem the way that we thought it out. And we'll see that here in just a moment when we get down to verse 24. Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met with him. But Mary stayed at the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. This is where her faith and her intellectual thinking had a fight. Have you ever said something? And then realized, wait a minute, I know I'm talking to God who can do all things. We see her immediately in verse 22. that It's, it's not a different thought. It's, or or, or she, she didn't stop talking. But suddenly after she said, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. Oh, wait a minute, I know who I'm talking to. I know even now whatever you ask of God, God will give it to you. One of the things that I thought was very interesting is she didn't say, Lord, would you raise him from the dead? Sometimes I wonder whenever I read this part was in the back of our mind thinking, uh, well, he's never raised anybody from the dead that's been dead this long. This is a bigger thing than what he's ever given to anyone. And uh, um, maybe whether, whether she wondered if he could or not, no, was not the issue. I don't believe that was the issue. I believe she knew that he could, but he had never set a precedent like that before to show that he would. How many people have at some point in your life said, I know that God can, I just don't know if he will. I know that even now God will do anything That you ask God will give you anything that you ask of him. Jesus said to him. Your brother's going to rise again. She wanted clarification. But she didn't ask. Straight out what do you mean. She didn't want to get her hopes up as the way that it appears in verse 24 the way she 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 uh. She makes this statement to Jesus. She said, Jesus, I know He's going to rise again in the resurrection at the last day because you taught us that quite well. We understand that. Jesus said unto her, just agreeing with what she said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Martha, do you believe this? I love this response. She said unto him, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ. You are the son of God, which was prophesied would come into the world, which should come into the world there in verse 27. And when she had said this, she went away and she called for Mary, her sister, secretly saying, the master is come and He's calling for you. I've often wondered about this Verses, did he really? Because it doesn't say he did. But she tells Mary that he is. Maybe I have wondered, maybe since since Mary has has so often touched the sensitive side of Jesus, like whenever he was at her feet and, and he said, This that she's chosen is not going to be taken away from him. Maybe for Mary he'll do this thing. I wonder. I don't know, won't know until I get there because there's not enough information. But we do know this, that whenever Mary gets that information, it says as soon as she heard that the master was calling from her, she got up with a quickness and she came to Jesus in a hurry. Now, Jesus still hadn't yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha had met him. So uh, either A, he had told Martha to go get her, or he knew that Martha was going to go say that. <laughs> and, and, and we know that, Mar- that he did know. Because there wasn't anything that was hidden from Jesus. Verse 31 says, Now the Jews that was with Mary there in the house and was there to comfort her, when they saw Mary get up in such a hurry and went out, they said, Oh, she's going to the grave to weep there. And just as we would do, I'm sure that there were some that were close to her that said, well, if she's going, I'm not going to let her go and go through this alone. It says, then when Mary was come to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Boy, doesn't that sound familiar? When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping that had come with her, he groaned in his spirit, and he was troubled, and he said, where did you lay him?" They said, Lord, come and we'll show you, or come and see. Jesus wept. There are many... That question why Jesus wept here, but I think it's quite clear for anyone to see uh, from the things that Jesus did, how he was moved with compassion, uh, that he 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 was tempted in every way that we were tempted, and and he says, "Cast all your cares upon me, because I care for you." Jesus had empathy. Amen. He saw what they were going through and the pain that they felt, he felt too. Just as we have empathy for Christ, and when we see somebody lost that goes out into eternity, our hearts are broken for Christ, for that soul. Then the Jews said, Look at how he loved Lazarus. I'm quite confident. This was a misplaced understanding of the Jews. He wasn't crying because Lazarus was dead and gone. I do not believe that for a moment. I am confident that he was feeling the mourning compassion of Mary and Martha and the others that wept. How they had given up hope and it broke his heart. He was broken for them, just as he was broken and his blood was spilt for us. Behold how he loved him. Some of them said, couldn't this man which had opened the eyes of the blind, couldn't he have caused that even this man would not have died? So Mary and Martha weren't the only ones that thought that if he had been here, this guy wouldn't have died. Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, comes to the grave. And it was a cave and there was stone laid upon it. And Jesus said, take away this stone. Now Martha, the sister of the one that was dead, said to him, Lord, by now, Lazarus' body stinks. It's turning, it's decaying. He's already been dead for four days now. Jesus said unto her, didn't I tell you? That if you would believe, <laughs> you would see the glory of God. Hear God speaking to us in our situations that we're going through today. Hear the Holy Spirit remind us of the words of Jesus. If you w- Didn't I tell you that all you have to do is is believe and you will see the glory of God. That word is still alive and true and holding the command of God Almighty to cause it to come to pass today as it did whenever he said it to Mary and to Martha. Verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid and Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And I knew that you always hear me. But because of the people that are standing by here, I said it. I said it so that they may believe that you're the one that sent me. And when he said these words, after he had said this prayer, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus! Come forth. And he that was dead. Came forth. He was bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said unto them. Loose him. And let him go. That's all that we're going to cover today. Is John 11.1 1, through John 11.44. Let us all stand. Before we pray, I want to point out this other thing. Just as Jesus called Lazarus who was dead to come forth, that's the same thing that He does to us whenever we're born again. He calls us to come out of the death. And then the next thing that Jesus does is he speaks to the sin and the weight that did so easily beset us. And he says, lose him and let him go. (laughs) That excites me. Because even today when sickness, when disease and dis-ease, if you will, grabs a hold of us. The Lord God's words has not changed towards us. It still loose him and let him go. Let us pray. Sweet Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your word, for your love, for your grace, for your, for your compassion for us, your mercy. Lord God, as we come before you again, we ask you to open our understanding to the things written in your word. And Lord, even from the carnal thinking, we ask you, Lord, to speak those words over us again. Loose us and let us go from the carnality that binds us and holds us back from the miracles that you have for us. For the healings you have for us. Lord God, for the understanding that you have for us, for that spiritual walk that you have for us where you're calling us to come out of the boat of unbelief and step out on the waves walking above the things of this life that have so easily beset us in the past keeping our eyes fixed on you lord jesus and walking above the cares of this world not pulled down or hindered by them speak that over us again lord jesus That we would be loosed and that we would be let go from the hindrances of this flesh that we walk in. That we might walk closer to you. That we might please you more completely. In the blessed name of Jesus Christ we pray. We love you God. Amen.